0: And welcome back to another episode of the Good Buddy Sports Bar. This week you got Skinny in the house with AP. What's going on?
1: Not much, man. Just ready to talk some golf.
0: Nice. It was a busy weekend um, all across golf. Um, Some great uh, female golf going on between the AIG Women's Open as well as the U.S. Women's Am. We'll get into all that stuff. We'll get into the PGA stuff in just a second and live. But how was your weekend? What did you get up to?
1: I don't remember. So I no hiking, weekend. nothing.
0: We didn't We didn't get out golfing at all.
1: No, we golfed on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we play Harvest, which is... A nice little reprieve from the mountain courses. I really like it out there. I think it's a lot of fun. You can hit drive wherever you want, but you better not miss the green or miss on the wrong tier. Um, We also did a nice long hike on Friday, and you were part of it, as was Miss Winnie the Golden. Yeah. Yeah, man. Good weekend in the Okanagan. Can't really complain. There's... The weather was exactly what we expected to be. You know, it was what 30 degrees and sunny and whatever that is in Fahrenheit, 88. Yeah, something like that.
0: It was on its way up, but definitely uh, not at the crescendo that we reached today, where it was like 36, so bordering on 100 degrees and uh, just hot
1: as hell today.
0: Oh, dude, Um, I went
1: out yesterday and I was going to go get a drink. Debating sitting outside and (laughs) it was like sitting in an easy bake oven. Like pure, like just Kenny Rogers roasters outside and the air conditioning never felt so good.
0: Yeah, there's I don't even think there's a choice for the next week. It's going to be hovering around there, maybe dropping down for the weekend into the 20s. And we might be able to get, as you called it, a reprieve from this weather. But um, overall, yeah, the harvest was fun. The views were amazing. You could see the Okanagan Lake from almost all points on the course. Cool little view of the skyline of Kelowna, uh, mountains in the background. So just overall, good experience, like you said. Um, One of the things that I'm noticing about some of the courses that we're playing that aren't Predator Ridge, Tobiano, Um, some of kind of the mainstays, they still have these beautiful greens rolling here and, uh, it is mainly the defense of the course, but, um, yeah, they're rolling beautifully uphill, a little sticky, which you, you kind of expect, but then downhill real quick, um, tons of undulation so you had to miss your approach shots on the right tier or else you were three putting that easily um a lot of fun for the day so uh, appreciate yeah, I, the recommendation from you
1: i think harvest is kind of a gem i've said that a few times but you know it's the closest thing to like a pure country club experience without going to like a private club out here i just they you know you pull up they take care of you. They like it their range is good. I mean it if I you know, I always said like I want I would love to be a member at Tower Ranch, but I think the thing against Tower Ranch is there's no range there. Um but you know Harvest is quickly moving its way up my list of like where would you want to be a member? And I just think it's it gives you the views of the Okanagan, but it gives you more of like a traditional layout if you will um yeah i don't know I, I like it it's like i said it's slowly becoming one of my favorites and I, i'm it's pretty easy to convince me to get out there for a round plus they you know they have the local rates so you're not paying the tourist rate and it's good i like it there
0: Yeah, overall, the staff was amazing, like real hospitable to us. And uh, the one thing that I really liked about the clubhouse is it had a great veranda for some good good old-fashioned sitting. Yeah, Always. Yeah. Reminds you of being down in Myrtle. Um, Less humidity, all the heat. Um, Yeah. Less alligators, too. (laughs) That, too. We have our own. We got like the coyotes and cougars, bears, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. All the other predators.
0: Exactly. But yeah, overall great weekend. The hike was fun. Um, I'm still kind of feeling it in my legs. Um, we went the long route for the scenic, uh, view overlooking Cal Lake, the lake of 10,000 colors. Um, it was a beautiful emerald color when we were up top holding hands, taking pictures. It was real cute. Um, but yeah, overall, great hike. So thanks for guiding yeah, us on man, that.
1: I went, I went on one this morning. I went up Knox, but I did like uh, Paul's Tube and then the Ogopogo Trail up to Pavilion and then over to Apex. And it was great. And then I get like 100 yards from my car and decide that I'm going to blow a tire and roll my ankle. Like... <laughs> everyone expects me to do so (laughs) i've been icing it all day it's not swollen but like i made it all the way through it like an hour and a half hour and 45 minutes maybe two hours i'm legitimately a minute and a half from from the truck and i blow a tire (laughs) so the joys of being six foot eight and trying to hike exactly and not paying attention where you're going and you know all the other
0: things and see people that's when accidents happen but if anybody's listening from destination bc uh give them a shout out we're looking for sponsors so if you want to chip in whether it be rounds of golf um a little sponsorship hit us up we're on instagram at the good buddy sports bar um shameless shill there so we'll we'll hop over i think uh good wrap up there um from the weekend. It sounds like you had a good weekend. I know for sure I had a good weekend. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll hop into the PGA side of things. Um, another week, another Lucas Glover win. That lab putter is just making that thing such a weapon for him. Um, two weeks in a row, able to string them together, this time in a playoff, uh, winning over your boy, Pat Cantley, um, finishing Longest second.
1: On the face of the earth. <laughs>
0: uh yeah um McElroy finishes third Fleetwood finishes in a tie for third also Taylor Moore um fifth Corey Connors with a t6 so this is I was saying this as we were kind of getting into things here so um Lucas Glover goes from just barely in the uh the top 50 to being fourth I believe with his back-to-back wins, so he yeah. jumped a huge amount of sh- a huge amount of spots, and then you got a guy like Corey Connors who gets a T six and is only at I believe twenty fifth um, in the FedEx Cup standing. So, like, just and with the quadruple points, I think it was last weekend. I just don't understand how that can happen, and he's not moving further up the list. But uh, yeah,
1: I mean, my thoughts on that, like. I'm, uh, my favorite weekend of the year, my favorite time of the year is March Madness. My favorite weekend is that first week where there's like four days of 40 games a day. You know, and I, I, I have that same opinion about the FedEx cup, you know, like, well, what's the next tournament? The top 50, I think. Yeah. It's like, top 50
0: this week. So you had
1: to get in yeah, and so your next make it week with- is top 30. Yeah. But like my opinion on it is it. If you didn't make it in the top 50 of the first round, you're out. It's elimination. Enough of this points bullshit. You had the points to get in, to give you your seating and your ranking and all of that. First tournament, we cut cut 20 guys or 20, whatever it is. It's the top 70. So you cut the top 20. If you didn't make it in, you played like shit the first week, you don't get to make it to week two.
0: So you're saying just straight up tournament result,
1: not like, straight up. Okay, straight up, you played. Okay. You could be in first place. You could be John Rom, and you don't make it in the top fifty for the second or in the first tournament. You're out. It's over.
0: Okay, so flesh this out for me then. How do you go from that first week to the last week? Is it just straight up like? oh good job you guys made it in you get your little four million dollar comcast maybe they expand it to the top uh 70 so everybody gets a little bit of a cut um and then from there it's just simply play your way into the next week and winner take all at east lake is that yeah i mean you're you're virginia
1: you're a number one seed and you lose to a number 16 guess what you're done
0: it's interesting. I I don't know if I agree with throwing out the full year's work. Um, full year doesn't
1: matter in any other playoff format whatsoever. Like the the number one seed in the NBA, if they blow it to the number eight seed or one of the play in teams, they don't get to like get another crack at it in the second round. Like you get, you're in the top 70, you get to play in the first round of the, of the FedEx cup. You, you don't make it in the top 50 for the next week. Guess what? You're done. And I don't know what golfers do in the, you know, when they get knocked out. Cause every other, like the hockey players are all like on the golf course. So maybe the golfers go fishing, but you know, you're, you're John Rahm and I'm only picking on John Rahm cause he was number one. Um. But like you're John Rom, you play like shit that first week, you don't make it in the top 50, I can better start tying your lures up and get out there because you're done.
0: Yeah, it's interesting and I never thought about it the way that you put it there with the playoff analogy from other sports and it also kind of ties back around to what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks when it comes to having a match play, play down in order to figure out who the champion is. So I get where you're going with it. Um, I'll agree with that portion of it. Like the playoff analogy does work there. I like it. I like the idea where it's winner takes all. um, And the full season's body of work has already taken place to get you to this point. Now let's refresh and just play it yeah. down. I like that. I like that. There's more at stake each week week. So you can't have an off week now for the next three, four weeks. Um, but what I will say from an overarching PGA standpoint, I don't think you could go down that road because you need people's need, feeling will get need, hurt.
1: Like, well, their pocketbooks off. are
0: going to get hurt, and that's where they need bad. to incentivize these guys. Absolutely, I'm just I'm playing devil's advocate and yeah, trying to take the other side because I think there is that other side where if they don't stay down this road, unfortunately, they have nothing in place in order to save their bacon and pay these guys what they think they're worth, and that's also why they went to this top 50 list for the signature events, which I'll talk about in a second. But yeah, um, yeah, it's really just a money thing at this
1: point. Yeah. But I I, like, you know, it's like an incentive based contract. Like you have to continue to perform. You don't get to make it to the, the playoffs and then, you know, coast into the championship when you can turn it back on. It's like, no, you got to keep performing every week until the season is done and i mean the the playoffs are done you don't get to take a week off it's kind of like the you know they've got these so many guys would skip tournaments that they didn't really want to play in right in the regular season or in in the the normal part of the year and then they started incentivizing them to show up to specific events and things like that it's like no you have to play in these tournaments and your chance of making it through is entirely dependent on how well you play this week. And if you don't play well this week, you don't get in it. It's almost like the guys who, you know, they're struggling to get into a major or they don't have their, you know, uh, exemption for a specific major. And then they have to grind it out. It's the same thing as, you know, JT trying to grind out getting in the FedEx playoffs. He shouldn't have been able to just make it in the FedEx playoffs Cause he played well all year and then coast and with all his points until the next one. Yeah. I but get, they don't, you,
0: that's where I'll disagree because he doesn't automatically get in because it is still a meritocracy in that sense where you still yeah, have I know. To, I to get in. It was so, a bad example. It was yeah. a bad
1: example, but yeah. like, you know, I will,
0: I'll, I'll kind of cut you off because I like where you're going with it and not to get too analogy rich here, because I think you did a good job on the first one. Um, of the playoffs i think that's a good crossover there um i think and i'll kind of sidetrack this for a second just because it's something that i want to talk about um where the pga is a rudderless ship and leadership is in total disarray you got a guy in monaghan who's leading there doesn't know what else to do in order to spice up this league. And we've thrown probably five or 10 things at the wall that they should be trying out, whether it be at the tail end of this year going into next year. Um, they've had the time over the last two decades and they haven't done a goddamn thing. So um, that's one point. And that's why they have to kind of keep this thing the way that it's going because they have no other way to Um, financially incentivize these guys outside the FedEx playoffs and the signature events. The second piece is from a total lack of leadership standpoint, there's way too much crap going on around right now when it comes to Jay's right hand men and some of the stuff that's going on on the other tours. Um, The Tom Pernice story that came out of um, his abuse towards his, girlfriend at the time um, who was a contractor who was working for the PGA tour, bringing in large contracts. I think something has to happen if it didn't happen between the merger and Monaghan and the PGA tour standing so flat footed forever and uh, hasn't happened yet. I don't know when it's going to happen, but something's got to change there because it's an absolute sideshow right now when it comes to the leadership there
1: yeah it the pga tour has survived on this In quote this is how we've always done it for so long and that works until you have a young upstart that comes in and disrupts everything it's the same as every other business on earth and then it forces you to make changes but what it also does is Starts to peel back the onion, which is what we're seeing with the PGA Tour, where, you know, even going all the way back to, you know, how much money were they actually making and how much money could they actually have paid for tournaments and players and things like that? And I think it's just a matter of we wouldn't know any of this if Liv hadn't come around.
0: Well, you brought it up too, and I thought it was a another one of your tin hat um, conspiracies, but really they wanted this merger to happen, not because they actually want to merge with the PIF. They may need the money, but I don't think that was the main reason. I think the main reason was to take those lawsuits off the table because they didn't want some things to be coming, becoming a thousand percent. Also, the other thing that they're really screwing themselves on here is they've been a not for profit for all these years, and I think this is going way back to probably when the PGA Tour was founded, they were able to find a way around it because of the good old boys club. But now I think people are so enraged with what's going on and the way in which Monaghan's handled all this stuff that uh, I think this is going to turn into a bigger issue than the PGA Tour wanted it to. So it's, it's really creating a bunch of chaos for them.
1: Which yeah, is good. A, a thousand percent. The the lawsuit and all that and all of that and the reason they made this deal was all because of leverage that you know, Piff and Liv and whoever else had on them. This was all you know, we can continue to litigate this, but you know, shit's gonna get out, and how much of this do you wanna get out? And I think, you know, whether you agree with what people say about Saudi Arabia or the PIF and all of that, like they didn't really have anything to hide. So they were like, we can just litigate this. It can all get out and everyone's going to think the same thing that you're telling them anyway. Whereas the PGA is a for-profit business that somehow has managed to be not for-profit. And there's all kinds of skeletons in the closet, you know, And they, it is, it came out and, or it came up and they got screwed on the leverage.
0: Yeah, and and just kind of to wrap this up because I don't want to let this take too long. And I also don't want it to seem like I'm taking the righteous side of this because I understand that money comes in different forms. Power comes in different forms. Um, It's more so the ineptitude of Monaghan that I'm screaming about whether it be um, his ability to negotiate to be a forward-thinking leader those are two things that I haven't been able to see from him um, unfortunately taking stress leave as all this stuff's going down, are you fit to be leader? Um, I, I don't know. And then finally, with sweeping a bunch of stuff under the rug over the years, whether it be, and I'm a big DJ fan, I, I, we all like to get after it, but like sweeping his, um, Uh, suspension under the rug I think there's another one with VJ over the years and that one was kind of over performance and and drugs and now this Tom Pernice thing with the abuse like none of these people have been suspended openly um they tried to sweep everything under the rug and they just haven't been transparent so they just they
1: they did the Michael Jordan like just hey go play baseball for a couple years yeah yeah
0: exactly but okay let's have some more let's get back onto the fun side now um tommy fleetwood ends up being t3 yet another opportunity that he missed out on missed two five footers on sunday did hit a couple of longer putts so i don't know if that makes up for it but like you make one of those all of a sudden you're in a a much better position maybe even going into that playoff um So does he, when does he win one? How much longer is this going to take? And at what point do you say, screw it? I'm just going to go into the, um, Dominican Republic open, um, with an easy field so that I don't have to worry about, um, these tough fields that I'm always up against just to get the monkey off your back.
1: Yeah. Fleetwood doesn't strike me as that guy. Um, he always puts himself in the most difficult situations in the most difficult tournaments. I think it's a ma- just a matter of time. I mean, Finau didn't have one forever, and then he, you know, ripped off a bunch. Um, you know, Fleetwood could easily just like go sign with Live or just like just go play in Europe, but he just I. He's always there, man. He's just been knocking on the door forever. He's going to get one, but he's also not the kind of guy that's like going to go play in the Barracuda, right? Like it's like I'm not going to play Barracuda. I'm going to go play the the British Open. Um, it, I'm I'm a big Fleetwood fan, as I know you are, and yeah, it it's coming, man. It,
0: so are you calling twenty four, or are you calling like this week or next week? Ooh.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna call 24 for sure. Um, I think he gets one next year. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets one before the end of the year, but you know, watching this week in his putting, you know he should have beat he should have won the RBC Canadian Open yeah. multiple times uh, or he had multiple opportunities and his putting was off. Now we see everyone switching putters. Lucas Glover switches putters. He wins a few. Rory switched to a Scotty Cameron from a the Spider he's been playing forever. You know, Fleetwood's a tailor made guy, and he's still using an Odyssey putter. And you know,
0: you should go I'm to some random
1: dude that, I'm just some random dude that lives in the Okanagan that has a podcast that you know a couple people from Germany listen to and a couple Australians. But like, hey Tommy, go find a new putter, bud. Like maybe go see if you can get the exact same model, but right-handed that Harmon uses, or something, or get the lab putter that Glover's using. Like, it's the, his putter. Like, everything uh, else, but his game is solid.
0: The Harmon putter is actually ambidextrous. If you haven't seen the picture that I have floated around on uh, yeah. in the group chat,
1: I Man. drive the I draw I drove the Harmon putter to get groceries today. <laughs>
0: So you took a segue to get there?
1: Yeah. But you know what? Like, I I think Fleawood needs to start looking at the putting. I mean, I watched the – like, his preparation is solid. I watched the, like, tailor-made video of him and his caddy going through for the Scottish Open and, like, working through their practice rounds. And, like, they don't play – he doesn't play outside of his ability. He just – he can't putt for shit.
0: Yeah, and that's what really set him apart the last time the Ryder Cup was in Europe, uh, in Paris. His putter was red hot. Him and Francesco, they were just a force to be reckoned with. But uh, yeah, his putter was red hot going into that, and that's what really drove that pairing was how well he was putting the ball.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, he does not He, he stripes the ball. The Versa, it's time to get rid of the Versa blade. Cause it's not working for you. And. You know. Go to a yeah. center shaft mallet. Like, like yours truly does. They're great.
0: Yeah. It could, it could even be an eye thing. Um, could be keeping the putter online. And that's why everybody's switching over to those lab putters because it kind of just keeps itself online and centered. Um, Whom's to say, but, um, one last thing, because we were talking about it last week, I said I had to do a little bit more digging on these signature events, but I was able to get a little bit deeper on who's going to be qualifying. And, um, this is again, back to my point on trying to financially incentivize these guys and keeping that pool really tight. I think it's going to be real tough for guys that are outside of the top 50 to break their way in from the outside in. Um, for mm-hmm. next year to be guaranteed into the signature events, which I think is a big, big piece of the pie when it comes to making the FedEx Cup playoffs. So I think there's going to be some injuries that are going to happen for guys to get in. But here's how you qualify for those signature events top 50 from the prior year's FedEx Cup. So this year's top 50 at the end of this tournament, um, plus the 10 current points list leaders so they're going to have yeah. a separate points list that starts I guess uh, once that fall swing gets underway players ranked within the top 30 world rankings and the current year's winners so like I think there's going to be a lot of um, overlap between those different um those different um, qualifications so it'll be interesting to see how it works and whether or not jt is going to be able to make a run he's obviously in the top 30 in the world rankings um so he's going to get in um but like should he get in uh, you need the firepower or you need the star power yeah. so i would say yes um he's not that far off as far as world ranking is concerned if he's outside of the top 30 then he just doesn't qualify or if he's not able to win an event between now and then so um, I believe they're going to be running 70 or 80 man fields for that. I believe, uh, most of them are one or the other no cuts. So again, it's going to be those guaranteed purses, which is going to help prop you up in the FedEx cup rankings because you're going to get, be getting those points. And I think it's multiplied points when it comes to the signature events. Um, so again, keeping that pool real tight to the guys that, um, they're trying to incentivize and want to keep question on their side of the fence
1: yeah question does that decentivize everybody else if they know Oof. they cannot make it into that tournament and you know instead of winning 500 points whoever wins that one's going to get 1500 yeah or i get what you're have saying to like keep it outside of the outside of the lines like hey here's a big money tourney it doesn't count towards fedex but it's the week of the Southwest Tennessee invitational that you weren't gonna play in anyway.
0: hmm I don't think it dis or decentivizes however the hell you say it. Um, yeah, I don't it is. yeah, Um I don't know if it does that because there's, all, there's a need to get into that top 50. So I think there's still going to be the need to grind there. Um, does it make guys who are bordering on getting in um, next year maybe have an eye for a different league? That's offering them a little bit more guaranteed cash, maybe. Um, But I think we're going to get into that because that opens up a whole other can of worms because they're going to be having some stuff going on next year um, with Live Golf. So I don't think it. I don't think it takes away the incentives to try and push for the top fifty. No.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I like the idea of those events. You know, it's it's arguably like another layer of majors if you will um you know bigger prize pool selective entry you know some somebody you know i'm gonna use sahith thagala like i feel like he's on the cusp right now and you know he starts out next year hot all of a sudden, he's just increased his his earning potential, you know, exponentially, by being in that top fifty and getting to in getting to play in these big, you know, big money tournaments. So I, I like the idea of it. I think, you know, with my tinfoil hat on, it's like this money was there, has been there for the last twenty years. Yeah, you know, it kind of goes back to like I was thinking about this before, and like the UFC th- side of things, like UFC fighters. Don't get paid like prize fighters in boxing, you know? And what Liv has done is essentially become Don King and the rest of the, the boxing world where they're going to pay, you know, a bigger chunk of what they're making. Whereas the UFC, you know, you have to be one of the top guys. Then you, you still don't make a huge amount. Maybe some of them get a pay-per-view cut. But that's kind of the analogy. I was thinking about this this week. Like, that's kind of the analogy between like Liv and the PGA is, you know, the prize fighting boxer pay per view side of things, like Floyd Mayweather, and then like the top UFC guy. He doesn't make a fraction of what Mayweather does, even though his fights may bring in just as much money in pay per views.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. Okay. So I think we've. Squeezed all the juice out of that orange from the PGA side. Let's hop over to the live side. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on the results. I just want to bring up the fact Cam Smith runs away with it. A couple of six shots out of trouble. One off the cart path after taking that drop from the house um, with his three wood. Just a ridiculous shot that he hit there. Um, how how those guys pick it clean off of stuff like that? Just boggles my mind because i would have a dent in my club face um because i don't know where the bottom of my swing is but um
1: well the- i think i think to that <laughs> just to touch on that joke for a second it's the same thing we said about charlie hall at uh tory like the pros don't have to worry about their gear so there you remove that like worry out of the swing and then it becomes more fluid. Just like when she ripped it from under the tree, like we'd be worried about roots and rocks and things like that because we got to pay for this three wood that I'm about to hit. Whereas the pros, and I know it comes down to skill and all of that, but there's a certain factor in there when we try and hit things or decisions that the average golfer would, would make that do come back to, like, I just got this stealth three-wood. I don't want to hit this off the cart path. True. Yeah. You know?
0: I get where you're going with it. Um, so, anyways, six-shot. Um, good anyway, one for him. Finishes him. off. Yeah. Um, dash 12 to to take it. I think he ends up winning by seven two other results i wanted to bring up because everybody's been talking about Ryder cup teams who should be taken who shouldn't be taken i don't think a whole heck of a lot changed this week from that perspective i'm still in the camp that jt shouldn't be making it if it's merit-based if it's team-based and you're worried about bringing the best quote-unquote team and who can assimilate into that team better than I can understand it uh, but Pat Reed gets another top five Bryson was the hot thing last week and people are still pushing for him but I think if you had to pick anybody outside of a Brooks on live I think Pat Reed is that guy and unfortunately he's not going to get a fair shake just because of his past um and I uh, Fully understand why. I haven't always been a big Patrick Reed guy, but I understand that his game holds up real well in these big spots. Great putter, um, and well, Captain America. So he can take that sort of heat off the rest of the team. Um, but those were kind of the only two other results I wanted to bring up. Um, I don't yeah. think the results are a big deal, but yeah, anything else you got to add from the results? Or well, Ryder I think Cup? the Ryder
1: Cup's an interesting one because. You know, we talked about this last week, and, you know, the point you were making was you need guys who can hit putts, right? And that's why, I mean, that's the exact reason why, you know, we talk about Patrick Reed, and I agree with you. The guy can putt, and he can putt under pressure, but no one is hotter with their putter right now than Lucas Glover. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking at who makes the team, if there's a last spot, I mean, the guy's never been on it. He's a former major winner which I think doesn't get enough press. And he's won two in a row and his putter is absolutely lights out. Like you're, if you're going to find someone that you're going to pick that last spot for, if you had to do it today, it'd be Lucas Glover hands down.
0: And that's why the spot was made. Your other favorite player, Billy Horschel, uh, it's the Billy rule, right? So you you almost got to use it for what it was created for. Um, and to your point, he's been hot with the putter after he went to that lab putter. He's always been a good striper of the ball, um, playing a bit older Shrixen driver and a very good driver of the golf ball. So like he's got all the, the key points that you need. I think he's probably one good finish away in the last two events. From getting onto the team, now it's just that last spot that I think we're looking at because I think it's going to be pretty chalky coming up to that point, um, for the team. And then, yeah, it's it's kind of either between, I think, like a JT, Lucas Glover, um, and maybe a Pat Reed if they really wanted to make a stretch
1: pick there. So, yeah, I hear that, yeah.
0: The the bigger thing that I saw coming out of the week, and we talk about advancements to the game and um, incentivizing players a little bit differently. um, Live players, I was reading this online, um, are actually allowed to have their own teams follow them during rounds within the ropes. Um, So the example that I'll go to is Bryson. Um, Bryson's had his camera crews following him throughout the rounds in order to create his own content for his YouTube channel.
1: I love that. Um,
0: the PGA does not allow any of that. Like they own the cameras, they own your kind of rights when it comes to any of the footage that they have. Um, really the only thing that's allowed or the only cameras that are allowed within the ropes right now, I think are the Netflix documentary full swing. Um, Outside of that, I don't think they're allowing anything and everything's got to go through the mothership. So I just, uh, I find it very interesting. It's very cool that they're allowing that to happen because not only are they allowing the players to grow their own brands, but they're also growing the live brand and growing the game in general because each player is going to have a different idea of how to go to market and it'll be cool to see how they all do it um, if they end up doing this um, individually.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like when the NCAA didn't let players make money, but they were banking billions off their likenesses, you know? Mm-hmm. And Liv is realized that this is a social media world and you want to keep people happy. You can't limit the amount of money they can make. So, and then, I, I love that. I think that's great. I think that's a super smart idea that they did, but the PGA is just the, you know, the way we've always done it and we get, we own all the rights and we get to do this and we get to do that. and You're limited by what's in the agreement. You know, yeah. I, just,
0: just wait until the valuations come for the teams down the road. And right. that's where I see this coming to be a big piece of that pie is, um, when those teams are worth something when they start having big time sponsorships um that's going to be where this all comes to kind of a crescendo and why they started to allow the guys to do this yeah no for sure so speaking of the team aspect another piece that was added to leap golf this week is the ability to trade players between teams and one of the things i was reading was um the other piece is free agency that's going to be coming up here over the winter so luring some of those players from other teams maybe there was a guy that got on a bit of a heater at the end of the year maybe you can um incentivize him by getting a couple extra points off the team aspect or maybe you can lure him by paying for his travel stuff like that maybe a family vacation a car a jet something um depending upon who the player is and what the level is yeah i've thrown some of these extremes out there but like all jokes aside it'll it'll be kind of cool to have this trade aspect so it keeps you engaged throughout the off season, depending upon how long this off season is, because I think there's been too many gaps in between events. So they got to tighten that up in the future. But overall, I'm uh, they're just having fun with it. And they're taking, again, some of the best aspects of European sport and implementing it all at the same time.
1: Yeah, it'd be cool to see if they had like transfer fees or loans or things like that, too.
0: Like, Imagine that you got Matt Wolf who's playing like absolute dog shit, and you're like, Yeah, you can go sit on the sideline. We're gonna loan
1: such and such from the other team. That'd be Yeah, cool. exactly. We're gonna pay two million bucks to have Brooks play for us in this tournament so we can win four. Yep.
0: Yeah. Or a team nah, that's yes. trying to make a run at the team championship make a crazy trade because yeah. they need that last piece or one extra set of rounds that uh, that's going to help them get over the hump. It'll make it interesting.
1: I completely agree. I think it, the golf world needs to be shaken up. It needs to change the old boys at the gated club with all the restrictions. They need to fuck off because we play golf now with speakers on and, you know, hoodies when it's cold and shirt doesn't need to be tucked in. Times are changing. The game's changing. It's growing like crazy and it's not growing because of the old rules. And the powers that be need to evolve or get left behind.
0: Yeah. Well said. Well said. All right. Let's switch gears to the women's side. Um, I thought there was two really good tournaments going on. Um, throughout the weekend, that were fun to watch. Um, part of it, I thought, was the venue. Part of it was the action on the course. We'll start off with what I thought was um, a little bit less entertaining, just because the winner ended up running away with it. But the uh, the AIG Women's Open, Lily Vu is your champion. There um, had Chuck Hall trying to chase from behind. Um, Ends up winning by six strokes, um, shoots a dash five on the day in order to pull away from the rest of the field. Um, in that chasing pack, you had some names that some people will recognize: um, Allie Ewing, Allison Corpus. Um, you even had the, at the time, the world number one, Nelly Corda, um, ended up carding a two-over par. And had 35 plus putts on the day. That's That's crazy. That's a shit ton. That's a lot. Um but yeah that was that was one of those situations where I think the l p g a is really looking for that dominant star, and they've always had somebody in that place, whether it be Lydia Ko during her stretch, Annika Sorenstam. I know Michelle Wee West was not dominant, but she was a name that dominated headlines during her time yeah um you thought at one point Boutier was gonna be that um even as close as the Thursday of the women's open, she ended up having a good showing, ended up uh, dash one for the weekend. Um, but, uh, back to back wins for her, including the major championship, the Evian in France, there, her home event. Um, but yeah, I think they're still looking for that star to break out, um, currently. And my question to you is going to be, is parody good for the sport or does golf need that dominant player in order to create the buzz?
1: I think you need a group of dominant players, plural. Okay. I think, you know, the Tiger Woods run was massive back in the day, but it wouldn't have been as massive without Phil Mickelson or VJ Singh or like some of the other guys that like were winning from time to time. You know, I like watching women's golf. I think it. there's a lot to be learned for the average golfer from watching women's golf. But like, you know, I watch it because I want to see what Charlie Hall is going to do. She doesn't play it as conservative as everybody else. Like I want to see how she, how aggressive she's going to be at things. You know, watching it where you know there's a full pack that are all within two strokes of the of the lead, and they're all plotting their way around, and it's the smallest mistake and like the littlest risk that gets there. I don't think is a exciting product, um, but I think you know if you can really You know, lean into five, six of them that are always battling it out, maybe even like three or four. I think then you get the attention and you get some excitement around the game.
0: Yeah. And one stat that I kept on hearing, and it changed after the tournament, but at the time it was 21 of 22 lpga major winners had been first time winners um to your point having that chasing pack where it's like six of them who have won majors who are the top names and they're kind of all fighting it out together that doesn't seem to be happening happening enough on the lpga you seem to have somebody who runs away with the major and then a trailing pack that's like four shots back um so they need more of that, but like, I think the future is bright there. You got Nellie Corder still very young. Charlie hall, still young. Um, I should have pulled up ages here, but, um, and then you got Lilia Vu, same thing. Um, Rose Zhang, who just got onto the tour this year.
1: Yeah, you got a good, um, who handful kind of, right yeah. Now, right?
0: you, you had some folks who, Bouchier, like I said, who won back to backs there. So I think there's a handful now. I think they just got to figure it out for a season. Um, Brooke Anderson, great Canadian player there that, uh, is always in the top 10 in the world, but needs to contend a little bit more, I think, at some of those majors. Um, but yeah, I think they got the writing on the wall for the future is bright for the LPGA. So I'm excited to see where they can go. And like one of the things I was going to say for the US Women's Am, but I'll say it now, is the choice in venues for majors has really drawn more eyeballs. Agreed. Um, Walton Heath, it looked like a good test of golf this weekend. Looked like a great course um, just outside of London. Same thing with Pebble Beach. That's what drew me to watching that U.S. Open earlier in the year. Um, Bel Air Country Club for the U.S. Women's Am. That course is usually behind lock and key, and you cannot see it 99% of the time. And for this one week, it was on full display, and it was a hell of a fun day time to see that course uh, because it's a cool track. It's got some great nuance to it and uh, I would say arguably better than LACC, but I just don't think they can stretch it out to the point that they needed in order to host a men's U.S. Open there. But yeah.
1: yeah I think it, you know, it, it definitely gets people's attention, you know, watching someone, watching them play Pebble Beach, Not from the tips was intriguing because it's like, oh, if we were to go play there, we wouldn't we'd be playing from roughly this area too. I think anything they can do to bring in that casual golfer or you know um, amateur golfer and get the attention on it, I think, is important. (laughs) Bel Air Country Club is, yeah, that was a huge move by them because that course I couldn't even tell you the last time I saw it on TV, if ever and yet it was all over the tv this weekend and you got to see you know unique pieces of it like the bridge and you know how it follows the landscape there i think it it they've done some really good things with the courses they've selected
0: yeah and the story on the back nine when they were kind of at a crossroads with where do we go with this course because they had the clubhouse that was up on that ridge and the rest of the course is down in the canyon. Um and they're trying to figure out like how do we get to where we need to go. Um so and I'm trying to pull up the um the designer or the architect of the course here.
1: But well, uh the, sorry the other thing that you can probably do better or easier at an LPGA event is move the crowds around because you know, whether it's right or wrong, I, my assumption is that the crowds at them are smaller. Yes. Yeah. So you're not necessarily worried about, you know, moving the crowd around. Like we, you know, we've both played Whistling Straits, but I think we can both agree that the river course at Black Wolf is better. And it'd be fun to see a pro tournament there, but it's harder to move that quant- that volume of people and fans and patrons or whatever the hell you want to call them around that course. But when you're dealing with a smaller amount or smaller expected amount of patrons at an event, you can probably play it at more courses because there's it's not as hard to move that smaller group around.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um but yeah when they're I think you hit the nail on the head. When you look at the course and they were at that crossroads um on number 10 um they threw down a golf ball And all they have with them was their putters. So he ends up hitting it across that canyon with his putter, which was 150 yard carry. And he's like, well, if I was able to carry that with my putter, then we are going that way. And that's how they made decisions back then, which is super sick and uh, a cool story to go along with that real cool design and layout at Bel Air. But yeah, yeah, overall, yeah, sick track. But yeah, from a, from an LPGA perspective, I think they got a bright future. Um, a lot of good young talent. It's just a matter of like we were talking about trying to get it all the fire on the same weeks when it comes to the majors, because I think they're choosing better. Uh, St. Andrews is going to be next year's women's open track. So like, yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll be really cool to see them play there and see what they're able to do on that course.
1: Um, well, I honestly, I think that they, it, it should get more attention. And I think that any, you know, casual golfer, male, female, you know, whatever you identify as like watching female or watching the LPGA is, it actually teaches you how you should be playing golf. Like none of us hit it as long and as accurate as the pros, as the male pros and watching LPGA or even the amateur and watching them plan their way around the course and you know hitting it to the spot where the best miss is or you know picking the right spot to land their the right distance to land their tee shot I think we could all learn uh, they from been, it. and the other thing I took away is that none of them swing really hard at it And yet they make perfect contact. The ball goes exactly where they want it to for the most part. And, you know, I think there's a lot to be learned from watching it about the rest of our golf games.
0: Yeah, there's really two styles of golf nowadays, bomb and gouge and the more methodical route, which I would say is the LPGA route out of necessity because they don't hit it as long. And when they do get it into some of that deep trouble, they aren't able to get it out just from a pure strength standpoint. But um, like I was saying to you, a typical amateur scratch golfer is hitting it 250 in well, not even typically in the fairway, but um having to plot their way around the course. So you're hitting it two fifty on a dog leg, you're typically hitting it out to the corner and then playing in from there. Whereas on the PGA tour, they're taking these ridiculous routes up and around trees, cutting off tons of dog legs, um, stuff like that, which is just stuff that we shouldn't be doing, but we right. end up doing because we watch that week in and week out. So
1: And they also like don't take their medicine. Like JT, for example, hits that ridiculous slinger last week. Like m- none of us should be doing that, but we'll try it. But and we'll, we'll try hit it. Hit
0: OB on the right because we right double cross ourselves. And but if uh, you
1: watch the LPGA, they're like, oh shit, I'm in these trees. Let me just get this in the middle, then I can hit it close and you know make par or bogey. Yeah. So I think it it it's definitely. A, a more realistic game. Mm-hmm. They definitely think that... their way around the golf course more right. than the PGA guys. Yeah, for sure. exactly.
0: Okay. On to the U S women's am, um, the winner this year. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I got to pull it up again so that I don't screw it up. Um, ended up being Megan Schofield winning four and three over Latonia stone. Um, it ended up being, uh, pretty good final match even though it ended up four and three it's unfortunate that latania missed that putt on the what ended up being the final hole because she could have forced another um, hole, And she was starting to grab the momentum. She wins that par five after Megan Schofield it into the woods on the right, had to chip out. She chases her tail for the rest of the hole, um, concedes it. So she was starting to put something together there. Unfortunately, it looked like Stone was injured, um, was on a bad wheel for much of the day. I hadn't seen the injury because we were out golfing on Sunday. And when I watched her on Saturday and Friday, she looked like she was in good shape shape she actually had to go through Murder's row she was playing almost every one of her um and i don't think it's the walker cup but uh similar mindset um the am match play um all of her teammates throughout the course of the the tournament um one other thing that i wanted to talk about was Rachel Heck, and I ended up hearing this story, which is a ridiculous story about her week leading up or her couple of weeks leading up to, um, going into the match play. So Rachel Heck, she was buzzing along. She ends up winning four and three in the round of 16 in the quarter. She wins eight and seven. Um, she came into the um, the U.S. Women's Am um, off of an injury earlier in the year, um, had to have surgery late last year, rehabs it. She gets to a spot where she's good to go, and then she ends up doing her Air Force training um, for the two weeks before... The US Women's Am has four days to come back and practice um, after being out in the fields, not even knowing what time it is, doesn't have her phone on her nothing, um, cut off from civilization, four days to get ready, goes out there. She runs through the qualification rounds. Ends up doing what I just pointed out there to you guys. She loses to Stone in the semifinals, uh, but had a hell of a run going up to that point. So just what a showing there and kind of a cool storyline um, from her.
1: Yeah, I mean, she put on a show too. Like she played really, really well. I think, you know, Stone is the one that is the most impressive like the, the, just the mental fortitude to make it through that murderer's row of people, well, from where she was ranked, like you can't you can't falter for falling short at the very end. I mean, golf's a fully mental game, and you know anybody that had to run through that gauntlet would have been mentally exhausted by the end.
0: Yeah. I'm physically exhausted with those 36 holes, um, (laughs) on the back end, but, um, I thought it was a good showing. And again, not to sound negative towards the game itself. I really enjoyed the golf that I was watching. Um, I also watched the last, I guess, non-American trying to get through and Pierce, um, going up against, um, I believe it was Latania at the time. Um, So that was a good match. Pierce forces the playoff on 18 after Stone makes her par putt. Again, chasing chasing her tail all the way down the fairway. um, Gets herself into trouble. And then Pierce plays almost a perfect hole. Leaves herself about 15 feet. Um and knocks down the birdie putt in order to force extra holes. Unfortunately, couldn't get the job done. But she was the last non-American Aussie mm-hmm. trying to make it into the uh, quarterfinals there. But um, yeah, overall, I thought it was a lot of fun. Actually, sorry, it was Schofield. So the other finalist, the eventual champion, um, who was in that match. So if she didn't get through that match, who knows what could have happened? But yeah, right,
1: yeah. Overall, was well, um, but I mean, there was, you know, four legit tournaments. We've got, isn't the, the men's USAM going on right now?
0: Yeah, um, and I was going to give a shout out to the Canadians, but keep talking.
1: Yeah, I've just, I haven't watched any of it. And the only reason I know there was a Canadian there is because you told me I haven't watched any yet. But, you know, that's always a good tournament. You have that one plus whatever else comes up this week. It's kind of just like a a nice bookend to all the tournaments we had last week.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you haven't missed anything. And this is another beef that I have with the PGA of America and um, their inability to be able to broadcast things in a nice, clean manner. They're not going to have anything until tomorrow. And I believe coverage starts at around noon or one o'clock tomorrow um, for the round of 64 and then stays that way for the rest of the week. But um, one of the things that I'm looking at with the U S men's and um, is Is the elevation because it's being played in Colorado at Cherry Hills? um, Is that going to become an issue for some of the players that are coming from the east, from the south? Um, Is that going to rear its ugly head as the week goes on? You got to play two rounds for the stroke play. And then if you make it to the finals and you eventually win, you have to win seven matches or, sorry, um, five matches with six rounds because it's 36 on the Sunday.
1: Do you have to walk the entire time?
0: You got to walk the entire time. Heel toe express all the way to the finals. So Yeah,
1: it, I, it, there's definitely going to be an advantage for anyone that's used to living in the mountains, man. I mean, mm-hmm. the the ball flying a club further or whatever, I mean, those guys are good enough to adjust for it. But, you know, walking that much in the thinner air is definitely going to have an effect on some people who are used to living in, you know, Georgia.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think, uh, they're talking about it and I haven't dug too deep into it yet, but a lot of the names at the top were guys from that greater, um, colorado area like montana wyoming yeah colorado included california so um, a lot of those guys um right now so when i was looking before there was a couple of canadians in the top 64 at the close of today we have one canadian pearson hunt who is t4 um ended up being minus six for his two rounds so he's going to be going in to the match play portion starting tomorrow again, like I said, at 9 AM on the Pacific time zone. I'm just trying to grab his first round match. So Pearson Hunt has Grant Smith. So the five seed is playing the 60 seed Um, for all the Canadians out there. Keep an eye on him and hopefully he can make a run.
1: Yeah. I'm most likely going to start watching it tomorrow and then, Hopefully we get to see a good run from a Canadian in that.
0: Yeah. All right. Any last thoughts or?
1: No. Just debating if I'm going to play golf tomorrow afternoon or not, but figure that one out tomorrow.
0: Tough life of a semi-retired guy.
1: I know, right? Yeah. I know.
0: Well, if you do enjoy the round, keep your head down, stay hydrated, and uh, have a good one.
1: All right, man. We'll talk to you later. Later.